0: You are listening to a Retina UK podcast featuring the West Yorkshire Peer Support Group and our special guest, the blind poet, Dave Steele. I'm going to introduce Dave Steele, who's our guest speaker, so you may know him as the blind poet, but I'm not going to say too much because I'm going to let Dave do all that, but I just want to say from Retina UK that we are over the moon to have have him here today to speak to us and... Really looking forward to to hearing from him.
1: Great, okay, thank you so much. Uh, it's great to be here uh, for Retina UK. Uh, and a charity that has been kind of close to my heart, right there for quite a number of years, probably right from the beginning, which we'll get to in a minute. Before um, they were Retina UK, for those of you that don't know, they were called RP Fighting Blindness. And um, yeah, so always been there with me right from the beginning. So I want to go back to the beginning and kind of introduce myself and tell you a little bit about me and my story and also share some of the poetry with you that set me on this path and and got me to be known as the blind poet. So I have, uh, like Amy was just saying there, a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know what RP is, it is a genetic hereditary condition, retinal disease with no treatment or cure. There are lots of different mutations regarding RP, uh, lots of different gene types, X-linked and all that kind of stuff that we were just kind of talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, the type that I have, if you want to get technical, is what they call autosomal dominant, which basically means there's a clear trace throughout my family. It comes from my mum's side. And every time a child's born, there's a one in two chance that they're going to develop it when they're older. And the rate of development um, varies, uh, but I'll go through that in my case. So the first time I ever heard about RP was actually back in the early 80s when I was about five, well, I was about I think I was about seven years old at the time. Uh, my sister was the first one to be officially diagnosed with it. I say officially diagnosed because actually coming from my mom's side, one of my uncles, I always remember when I was a kid, was blind and... We just kind of knew he was blind, and we didn't know what it was down to. And I don't even think he knew what it was down to. We just kind of got on with it. But that's sort of the way things were back then. In the early 80s, my sister went to Moorfields Eye Hospital in London, which obviously is now one of the world's most renowned uh, hospitals for eye diseases and retinal diseases. But back in the early 80s, they didn't actually still, at that stage, know a lot about RP. And my sister, when she was officially diagnosed at Moorfields, believe it or not, they just told her, you've got this thing in the family called retinitis pigmentosa. There's no treatment or cure. And then they said to her, oh, by the way, don't have kids. They actually said that. But that's kind of the way opinions and things and education has changed around the condition. And we know a lot more, obviously, you know, right now. Um, So I remember being seven years old, hearing we had this eye condition within the family called retinitis pigmentosa having to go to manchester eye hospital at the age of seven and having these drops put in my eyes which i now know to be dilating drops because probably like yourselves i have them at every appointment that i go to but at seven years old i remember my eyes being very blurry for a few hours it being a little bit scary but then after that appointment i didn't really hear much about rp uh in talks within the family there was obviously conversations that went on behind closed doors but I was told as a kid that we have this eye disease in my family and to just really kind of get on with my life and not really worry about it too much because if it was going to affect me it wouldn't affect me until I was much much older and that's exactly what I did I kind of got on with things I left college I went to work away as a singer I started off as a blue coat for pontins and uh taught, you know worked at the Holy parks and became a cabaret singer, working on cruise ships and working, you know, performing cabaret as a singer at hotel hotels abroad and things like that. And really got on, you know, my most of my 20s, kind of enjoying my life, travelling all over the world, uh, and then, uh, you know, enjoying what I did as a singer. Things changed for me um, in my late 30s, uh, just over 10 years ago now. Uh, I remember it was a, a kind of tender part of uh, my life anyway because I was going through a big change I just split up with my uh, previous partner um, my daughter my daughter's mum I was living in Scotland at the time in Glasgow went through a breakup with her Ellie my daughter was about three at the time just turned four years old and I moved back to Manchester to be around family and restart my life and rebuild I was working as a singer at the time and I got a job working in car sales, uh, which I'd done for a little while in Scotland, but then started doing it back here in Manchester. And I'd drive up to Scotland every couple of weekends and bring Ellie down for the weekends. I then met my now wife Amy. Um, in this was in two thousand and twelve, and instantly we kind of hit it off. She had two children, a similar age to my daughter Ellie, and. You know, we fell in love straight away and just became this little family. And then a few months later, um, Amy became pregnant. And in 2013, our son, Austin, uh, was born. And that kind of completed our family. So 2013, everything was exciting. New Year's, sorry, Christmas Day 2013, I asked Amy to marry me. And she said, yes. We set a wedding date for 2014 New Year's Eve and started off. 2014 really excited a new family all together saving for our wedding and everything was good then came the day where everything kind of changed a day I'll never forget I went for a routine eye exam uh, because I used to get my eyes checked every couple of years just to make sure I was good for driving and things like that and I went into my local opticians and when the doctor looked into the the optician looked into the back of my eyes I just remember this kind of pause just this kind of silence, it seemed like it went on forever. Uh, He took a breath and he said, OK, there's been a big change since the last time we saw you. We need to run some further tests. So they asked me to do what's called a visual field test. For those of you who have never done it before, you sit in front of a big kind of machine and put each eye into the machine, or looking into the machine, and hold a button. And every time a light goes off in your peripheral vision, you have to click the button. So I put my eye over the machine, I held the button, the test started. And as the test started, I realized that I wasn't clicking the button. And that was when all of a sudden this kind of panic, this realization of what was happening suddenly kind of came over me. I remember the test finishing and Amy being out in the waiting room with Austin, who was in his car seat, and was just a few months old at the time, and me coming out upset in tears, saying I needed to get out of there and I would explain as soon as we got to the car. I was referred to a retinal specialist and two weeks later, when I saw the retinal specialist, I was declared severely sight impaired or legally blind as it's known in other countries. What happened then started a kind of really difficult eight or nine months, which I'm sure a lot of people out there will kind of relate to. Because I was working in car sales and I was working as a singer, I could no longer drive. My employer let me go. I could no longer do test drives for for the garages, so they let me go. I could no longer do the gigs that I was able to, you know, used to be able to get around to because I could no longer drive. I could no longer get up and see my daughter Ellie, and bring her down for the weekends. Um we struggled to get the financial support that was out there. I'm I always say that I'm well, my wife will say that um she uh, I'm an optimist, so I always think there's going to be good in the situation. And she's a realist and, and sees how it is. And I remember thinking at that time, look, you know, I I can't be the first one or we can't be the first people to go through something like this. There's got to be a support network out there. There's got to be, you know, help in place and, and, and we'll find it. And unfortunately, uh, like many people still do to this day, I fell through the system, fell through the net. I applied for every bit of help that I could possibly get to. At that time, back then, you know, just over 10 years ago, there was a nine-month waiting list uh, in order to be processed through uh, personal independence payment, which a lot of you will know is a, a minefield and, and a, a, a really important part of, uh, of finding your feet when you're diagnosed with a condition like RP and, and you need the financial support. While all this was going on, we, um, we had to move out of our house. We couldn't afford the rent that we were staying uh, in the house anymore. Uh, we had to go into social housing, we had to feed our kids on food parcels for a little while, because we were just struggling financially. And all the while, I was struggling with anxiety and depression, not just because of my sight that I was losing, I actually lost all my peripheral vision after that diagnosis due to stress in the in the first eight or nine months. But also, I was struggling with anxiety and depression, because of the financial pressure, it was putting on my family, I felt terrible that all of a sudden, you know, we were being plunged into debt and, and struggling financially and not able to get the support all due to the fact that I was losing my sight. So that kind of made me even more isolated than than I needed to be. I remember for those first eight or nine months, not actually leaving the house without my wife because I was so anxious at the way I was seeing. But things change, as they always do. Life kind of shows us a path or you know, we get steered in a certain direction or we find something. There's always hope and there's always a way forward. And and the way it kind of changed for me was actually the thing that set me on this path to where I am now. When I was at my kind of lowest and really struggling to go out on my own and things like that, I got invited to a support group just like this one here today, but a physical support group, not a Zoom one. This was before COVID um, in Newcastle uh, for my condition RP and another condition called usher syndrome now for those of you that don't know about usher syndrome that's the same sight loss as rp but with hearing loss as well so deafblind. and when the organizers of the support group heard that i was coming along and heard that i was a singer they said to me oh you know would you mind coming along and singing some songs and being the support group or being the entertainment for the support group that day and immediately when they said that i said yes And the reason I said yes so quickly was because actually I was really anxious and nervous about going to this support group for the first time. This was going to be my first time being around other visually impaired, blind people, people using canes, people with guide dogs. This was kind of like a bit of a scary glimpse into my future. So I was really, really anxious about going to the support group. And when they said to me, would you come and sing some songs and be the entertainment being on stage, excuse me, being on stage, singing songs has always been my comfort zone, the place where I felt most relaxed. And that kind of took away that all, all that anxiety of going. So the night before going to this support group, I was in bed, my soon to be wife, Amy, was in bed next to me trying to get to sleep. And I was going over ideas of songs to sing the following day for the support group. And I just had this kind of Eureka moment. I just remember thinking, this is it. I had this idea where I thought it'd be really cool if I could take a song that everyone knows and change the words and talk about my experiences so far living with low vision and blindness and RP. So I chose the song Stand By Me by Benny King. I'm sure we all know it. The reason is because the opening line of when the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see, that described night blindness to me, which is the early onset of RP. So in bed, while Amy's trying to get to sleep, I rewrote the lyrics, took me about 20 minutes, changed the chorus up, called it Stand By Me RP. And the following day, I performed it for the first time at that support group in Newcastle. And instantly, when I performed that song, the room changed. People were coming up to me afterwards, some of them emotional, shaking my hand, saying that the words that I'd written helped them feel like they were less alone. And they said to me, it was like I was speak in their mind like as i was explaining how they do always felt about their experiences and instantly when i got that reaction something in me changed i always talk about that and this is the same for anyone going through any kind of diagnosis disability life-changing thing right at that beginning that that day in that opticians when i was diagnosed when, when i was diagnosed or when they, When they made me do the visual field test. I started to go through this process that a lot of people there will be familiar with. It was a process of coming to terms with a disability, a process of a loss of confidence, a loss of pride to a certain degree, a loss of of independence. But the biggest thing it kind of took from me was my purpose. I didn't know where my place was in the world anymore. Everything I'd done had involved me getting around independently and driving. And all of a sudden, I I found myself not being able to do these things. I was applying for jobs that I could do standing on my head. And the minute I mentioned my disability or that I was losing my sight, the phone went down. People made excuses. There is a 75% unemployment rate within the sight loss community. And it's not down to the skills of the people who are affected by blindness and low vision. It's down to the lack of education and the lack of awareness surrounding it and fear. Um, So I was the victim of that. But when I got that response to that song, that Stand By Me RP, that was the first time I felt like I got my purpose back. I felt like this is something I can do to affect change and really help people. So literally, it was like flicking on a switch. Because to me, music and poetry are the same thing. It's song lyrics. It's you know it's 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 we all have particular songs that we turn to in dark times of our lives whether it be a a teenage breakup or a, a or a death where we've lost someone close to us we all tend to turn to music and song lyrics and song you know writers can make us feel those things and poetry is the same thing to me so from that moment after I got that reaction in that support group every day I got up and I started to write about. Everything that me and my family were going through as a a family living with a condition, um, you know, talking about the misconceptions, the social barriers, everything that we were feeling. I put it into poetry and was writing every single day. Sometimes I'd write two or three a day. And every time I wrote a piece of poetry, I would post it onto the support groups online, on social media, on Facebook. And every time I post a poem, I would get messages around from people around the world in places I never even thought of saying to me the exact same things that those people were saying in the room that day in Newcastle, but more. They were saying that my poems were helping them feel less alone. But not only that, they were using my words as a way for them to describe to their friends and their family and their loved ones how they were feeling when they couldn't find the words themselves. And every time I'd post a poem, it gave me more inspiration and more confidence to write more and made me more determined. So after a little while, I'd written about a hundred poems and people were commenting and someone in America messaged me and said, Oh, you need to start a Facebook page and have a place to post these poems. So I was like, I don't know how to do with that. And they went, Oh, we'll help you with the Facebook page. So I called it stand by me RP after that song. And I started posting all these Facebook, you know, poems on there and loads of people started joining and I started to get more messages from people around the world. And then after a little while, people started saying to me, oh, you need to put them in a book. And I was like, I don't know how to do a book. I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, And the community got round and said, we'll help you. And they started a GoFundMe campaign, raised money for me to publish my first book. And in February 2016, because February is RP Awareness Month, I released my first book, Stand By Me RP, uh, after that song, which was a collection of about 75 poems all around low vision and blindness. And a funny thing happened. A couple of things happened, actually. On the very first day that that book was released, the time I became a published author for the very first time, and the book went live on Amazon around the world, and I started to get messages from people all over saying they were buying it, me and my wife were on our way to go and celebrate. And as we were on our way to the restaurant, my phone rang, and it was the charity Guide Dogs. I'd been on the waiting list for a guide dog for 18 months, and on the day that first book came out, they called me up on the way to the restaurant and said we found you a guy, we found you a guide dog we've got you a match and a week later i met my guide dog christopher who's who's with me right now um that book became the number one european poetry release on amazon in america and australia a year later february 2017 i released volume 2 uh, stand by me rp volume 2 stand by me rp wasn't called volume 1 because we didn't think there was ever going to be another book Uh, But Volume 2 came out in February 2017, and that became the number one European poetry release on Amazon in America and Australia on its very first day. Volume 3 came out in 2018, and that did the same thing as well. So fast forward to kind of 10 years later now. I've written over 3,000 poems and counting. I still write most days. I've written four books and counting, uh, with another four books to come out next year. Uh, But I can't tell you too much about that right now. And actually, the things that I've learned through this whole process, which we're going to get more into, is actually I'm grateful for my challenges. I'm grateful for this journey I've been on. Years before I was diagnosed with RP, I went through many years of really, really struggling um, emotionally. I had some times in my life when I was homeless, uh, some, you know, suicide attempts and really struggling with mental health. And actually, you know, one of the things that living with RP has taught me that everything happens for a reason. The things that we go through in our yesterdays give us the strength and the armor and the tools to face the things we yet to face going forward. Uh, and all these things that happened to me in my past gave me the ability to do what I do now. Um, so I'm going to share with you a piece of poetry that really kind of explains that. This is one from the first book. It's called The Stranger. And it goes like this. Today, a stranger asked me, what has blindness done to me? Has it limited the plans I've made or the things I hope would be? Has it forced me now to settle on a life that's second best? Has it made me give up lots of things since I failed the blindness test? Do I still have aspirations, special places, dreams to go? Is there any point in beauty if the eyes don't work to show? But my answer came so quickly, not a thought considered twice. I am happy for this blindness, for the way it's changed my life. It has taught me what's important and shown me who my real friends are. And I wouldn't change a thing I've learned just to get back in my car. I have met amazing people since this RP took my sight. We share in common struggles, joined together through this plight. Though my retinas are dying, my mind's vision has increased. For each day I'm making memories, for long after sight has ceased. So never offer pity for the broken sense I've lost. For I feel I have gained more. And the price that blindness cost. There we go. So I'm going to share some more poems with you as we go on. Um, as I said, I am actually truly happy for my blindness now. I wouldn't change it for the world because in life we have we all have challenges, whether it's disability or not. And if this one's mine and the the things that I get to do now because of it and the people I get to help, and I speak at events all around the world and 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 you know, and having people use my poetry in the way that they do is is such a blessing to me. And I wouldn't change it for the world. One of the things I would change, though, is the hardest part about me is the hereditary side. Uh, as I said, I have autosomal dominant, which means there's a clear trace and a one in two chance with my children. Um, so I've actually written a couple of pieces of poetry uh, about that because one of the things of being a father is I really like to kind of you know share with other you know families and and parents um, you know and 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 show through the poetry that the support there. So there's two poems gonna read back to back now. Uh, One for my son, Austin, and one for my daughter, Ellie. Uh, The one for Austin's first, it's called Shift My Cloud. I'm sure you will all relate to this one. It goes like this. How do I break the news of what I may have done to you? Won't know for sure, but doctors say the odds are one in two. I look into your eyes and watch for signs I hope aren't there. Pray this RP will end in me. No faulty gene is shared. This tunnel world I live in hope one day won't be your view. Don't follow in my steps or place foot inside my shoe. The battle for acceptance will be just a story told. With perfect sight, not hurt by light. Clear vision, break the mould. I carry heavy guilt through sleepless nights and secret tears. I wait to know the answer ticking clock of RP's fears. But if in future blindness does come knocking at your door, I'll lead you by example, show you life is so much more. My son be proud, we'll shift this cloud and dance in heavy rain. I'll show you all that's possible, strong heart and long white cane. With poems, raise awareness, this will be my legacy. Three books will travel round the world, my stand by me, RP. So years from now, when you're fully grown, if blindness burden shared, just look at what your dad's achieved, so you'll be more prepared. There we go, let's shift this cloud. The second one um, for Ellie is a little bit different. Because with Ellie, Ellie uh, lives in Scotland with her mum um she's obviously by previous relationship has said she's a little bit older. I wrote this poem for Ellie when I was about 11 12 years when she was about 11 12 years old and the conversation I was kind of having in my head was you know when's the right kind of time or is there a right kind of time to have a conversation with a teenager or a young adult uh, and let them know that they've got this one in two chance that they could lose a sight when they're older you know is is, is, there, is there a right time to do that? Um, and the internet is what the internet is. There's ways out there to kind of find out stuff, and, you know, I'd rather have it coming from me. So I had this kind of inner kind of monologue conversation going on and decided to put it into a piece of poetry. So this one's called The Secret. It took me years to come to terms with how my eyes declined through stages of acceptance of slowly going blind. But nothing I could ever do would allow me to prepare to tell my little girl a thing. I still don't want to share. It's tortured me through sleepless nights, consume my mind with guilt. The secret I have kept from her could break the trust I've built. I pray that she will understand the things I've tried to do and why I never told her that she could be one in two. For she is still a child and far too young to burden with, a fate that I might pass to her For now is her time to live. But soon will come a moment when I know she must be told, when all the battles I have won, I'll pass for her to hold. But for every unheard question, there's an answer I've prepared. They're written in each line, each verse, each poem that I've shared. For every page I've filled I've emptied out my heart and soul so one day she would know the way. That's always been my goal. So Ellie, I hope years from now you'll be there reading this. No, you can do amazing things whether RP hit or miss. My inheritance to you won't be a passed down faulty gene but knowing all life's beauty that this VIP has seen. There we go. So... That's enough of the sad stuff, because I know that gets a lot of people emotional. Um, There's, you know, a lot of amazing things that I've got to do um, through this kind of half of being now known as the blind poet and speaking at events and everything else. And right at the the base of it all is kind of supporting people through poetry in that way that, you know, people listening to these words. And when they read the poems to themselves, they're they're reading it in their own voice a lot of the times. And it becomes their own voice that they're, they're encouraging themselves with. It's something that I you know I cherish and and don't take for granted. And there's actually something uh, a piece of poetry I want to share with you now that we were talking about or we kind of touched on slightly earlier when I was having the conversation at the beginning of the uh, of the call. We were talking about cane use and how everyone goes through this process at different stages of coming to terms with a mobility aid, whether that be a wheelchair a long cane a symbol cane whatever it is that you use to get around but often it's not spoke about you know we all go through this process of 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 trying to come to you know terms with it and sometimes with canes not using it as much as we should do walking around with it folded up in our hands being self conscious because of the way people are those misconceptions you don't look blind that we all get you know all those kind of things that we all face every single day so uh, about a year ago now, I got up one morning. I remember thinking to myself, right, OK, I want to write a piece of poetry about cane use. And I want to um, do it in a way that's going to help a lot of people and help uh, people who train uh, others on cane use, mobility instructions and things like that, be a tool uh, for them to use, uh, to show them. So I had this idea where I thought I'm going to write a poem, but I'm going to write it from the perspective of a mobility cane. So in the poem, it's the cane talking. Um, I'm sure you'll get where I'm coming from with this. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I love some feedback on this one. So if you're in the comments watching this later on, please put what you think of it. And be uh, please share this with as many people as possible, because it really does help a lot of people. It goes like this. You're not the only one who's felt embarrassed to be seen. Outside walking with me. This for many has always been. A part of the whole process As together we will train. But in time you will realise you'll soon be proud again. I'm made to give you back the things that you may feel you've lost. Like pride and independence. All the things that blindness cost. I'm not a sign of weakness. I'm a reason to be proud. Alleviate anxiety whilst you are in a crowd. Sometimes I'm left behind or folded up inside your hand. But I'll be ready for you. I won't judge. I understand. I know these things are natural. It's the way that people stare. When you can still see some things, but for blindness, you prepare. You don't need to see nothing to be able to use me. That's not the way that blindness works. It fades so differently. I'm here to be a symbol and a signal that you're strong. A reason not to isolate. A reason to belong. So when you're feeling ready. I'll be with you day or night. Unfold me, hold me confident and swipe me left to right. Eventually you'll come to terms. Our partnership remain. It's me and you forever. I am your mobility cane. There you go. So we've almost come to the end now of my little talk and then we've got time for a and a um, Before I go, I want to tell you a little bit about my kind of latest big projects. I've got quite a few things I'm doing at the moment. Um, but the biggest thing for me is the start of a new book series, which I released the first one of last year. And I've got a copy of it here, which I'm going to hold up. Um, it's called Austin's Amazing Adventures. Now, any of you that are out there, you may have heard of a uh, British author by the name of Julia Donaldson. Julia Donaldson wrote The Gruffalo and Stickman and Room on a Broom and all these rhyming poetic story children's books. And A few years ago now, she did an article in a newspaper here in the UK where she said there needs to be more children with disabilities featured in children's stories to give them that representation. After reading that article, I immediately wrote the first six books in this series in the first night. It, they just literally just fell out of me. So Austin's Amazing Adventures is about a young, visually impaired boy, based on my son, Austin, who is now 10 years old. In the book, it's about him going to a mainstream school, about the interactions he has with his ch- with his friends and his teachers. And it's really about um, breaking down those social barriers that children, not just with low vision and blindness, uh, but all kind of additional needs face uh, in school and helping them to be better understood. So children who are going through these things can read these books and go, that character's just like me. And those who aren't affected can read these books and go, these kids are just like us. Uh, and, and really, um, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. And we've got a lot more to come with that next year. If you want any more information on any of my poems, um, or any of the books, um, you can go to my website, which I'm sure we'll put a link in on the post. It's theblindpoet.net, theblindpoet.net, and you can find all my links for social media and everything there. Before I finish, I want to read you one last piece of poetry. Um, This one's called um, Blind Perceptions, and it goes like this. I know the strength inside of you, though all you feel is numb. Don't be afraid as eyesight fades for what is still to come. You will adjust. In these words, trust, we share these tunneled eyes. A mix of strength and anxiousness, the same in me applies. My shins are full of bruises and my confidence misplaced. At times, self-isolated, felt the world too much to face. So I'm here to remind you all the times we fail don't matter. There's lots of misconceptions still. Let's remind them of the latter. It's not that complicated change how blindness is defined. Let's educate, articulate the many ways we're blind. It's never all or nothing, many shades and different views. Yet there's this stereotype they keep on printing in the news. No wonder some of us have fears when out in crowded place. They see the cane but can't explain why we look them in the face. There's some of us who stay at home, convinced of the excuse that because we don't look blind enough, there's a need to be recluse. Don't waste your life on people whose opinions are way off. Just swipe your cane with courage. Hold your head with pride aloft. So never doubt what we're about, despite what some believe. Come join me on my mission and change the way we are perceived. I won't let the haze that fills my eyes consume the rest of me. There's more to life than edge of knife, despite what I can't see. Try not to care as people stare with looks of vague suspicion. But why should I explain to them the terms of my condition? And it's much simpler to stay home Won't waste another day Their pity's just an obstacle That's getting in my way And though I am blind Won't be confined by others' misconceptions This poetry that spills from me Will change their blind perceptions Though anxious chest and days depressed Have far from disappeared I've learned to breathe while I still grieve Control these things I fear My kids look on Not on what's gone But all each day I teach For if tomorrow their eyes pay life's dreams are still in reach. So I'll not cry as vision dies, won't focus on the blur. No point in holding on to how those days and eyes once were."
0: Thank you. You can unmute yourself now. Well, thank you very much. Um, It's not often that I'm speechless, which is why I um, kind of took this role on as a facilitator. But (laughs) I just want to say that, you know, I know you've heard it before, you know, being inspirational and and things like that. But, you know, I do truly mean that. And it's been a privilege to hear you speak and getting that personal sort of aspect um, and being a part of this, this group and a part of this call. So on behalf of Retina UK and the West Yorkshire Peer Support Group, I just obviously want to say thank you. No, to pleasure. and, and um,
2: like I said... The, yeah, cane, the cane one had me in hysterics. I ended up staying.
0: <laughs> you know what? I was going to say, I kept looking up and I kept seeing Amy's name. Yeah, and I thought... I'll get, the, you, I'll
2: get the video off the other group later. I yeah, it-
0: and I just thought, <laughs> if if there's any way to, to show that that was amazing and it was really good... Is the fact that somebody had to leave at half past seven, halfway through?
2: <laughs> in this case. I'll get a message later saying like, "Where were you?" It's like, oh, <laughs> just blame mate, blame
0: me. it's fine." But as anybody my, got any my, questions?
2: Yeah, I'm, I was just going it made me laugh as well because my pen name is the blind writer when I send right. like stories in and poems and things. It was just, it was just funny. Yeah,
0: no, that's brilliant. I liked it. No, oh, that's brilliant. Um, but yes, yeah, so. I mean, obviously I've seen, I've been following, Dave, I've been following you for for a while now, um, and and I still see myself as at the early stages, so even though my wife will tell you different, I feel like I've got brilliant vision still. My peripheral vision (laughs) is definitely gone, Um, my night vision is terrible, but during the day I can be... I mean, you mentioned it, you know, not embarrassed, well, yeah, embarrassed and anxious, so I just won't mm-hmm. take my cane, and I will get through, you know, I might have the odd trip, but I'll get through, but just hearing some of your words, and, and you know, and the cane, uh, the one about the long cane, it's just, it brings everything home, you know, it's not about anybody else, um, and, yeah, it's just... Such In the poem, I talk yeah. about
1: it being a, a, a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. And actually, yes. you know, t- you know, having the courage to kind of do what's needed to get yourself out there and stop living your lives. Um, you know, it's difficult for anyone. But as men, um, sometimes men find mm-hmm. it even more difficult. There's a lot of people I speak to around the world and a lot of men will tend to kind of um, feel as if, you know, being seen with a cane makes them feel, you know, seen as being weak or vulnerable. Or a target they can be targeted and and yeah. and actually the, the, you know a lot of I know of a lot of people who have uh, isolated themselves even more because of it and actually you know it, it takes great courage to get yourself out there and use it and once you do that and don't get me wrong you know it's, I still have days a lot of days where I'm out there and people are ignorant and everything else and yeah you know, I had it today coming back from a meeting I was in central Manchester and people were just kind of walking into me with McCain and you know it, 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 you, you're always going to get that but. Uh, the 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 benefits out far outweigh that, um, and uh, you know, the, 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 just getting out there and taking that first step is 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 so empowering. Yeah, you... thing. Oh, sorry, sorry.
0: Go on. I'll uh, oh, um... no, you go. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, So it I'll be really quick. Um, I know that I, I was being messaging you, Dave, and I I just wanted to share it with the group, but I'm massively into the gym, so I, I play rugby. Uh, PDRL which is Physical Disability Rugby League it's still full contact I've had ribs broken I've had bust noses but (laughs) it is sort of there is guidelines to help us but I would never use my cane to the gym now I've started using it a couple of weeks ago and the first time I used the cane something as simple as the manager came over to me and helped me with the vendor because I couldn't read the writing on the drink I've never had that before um, and then she then went through you know i can use the disabled door because it's wider but just this one thing happened i was at one of the weight stations and a guy came up to me and he looked like a, like a bodybuilder and he just said to me he, he put his hand out to shake me and i says i says are you all right i didn't know if i'd known him or something he says i've never seen somebody come to the gym with a cane but i just want to say massive respect to you and if you ever need any help with anything or if you want a work yep. a, a gym partner just let me know you're welcome to train with me anytime brilliant. and i just thought yeah, you, you didn't have to do that no that's um, that's, that's
1: good yeah and I, it, I, I, I just that them again.
0: them positives outweigh the you know the neg i mean i've had it before where i'm using my cane but i'm actually looking at my phone so if i'm waiting at the bus stop and i'm just watching my phone And it's like people looking at you as if to say, well, why is he not (laughs) okay? And he's using his phone. (laughs) And it's, they don't understand. Yeah, they just don't understand. But, but yeah, it's, you know, them positives do outweigh the negatives. But sorry, Amy, I jumped in.
2: <laughs> no, I was just oh, gonna say the, the the line in his last in your last poem about them looking in the eye had me in hysterics because I've got no sight whatsoever. But because I had sight, I can still do it even though I can't see a thing. And yeah. it absolutely freaks them out. Freaks people out, yeah. <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you you can do through, you know, I mean, it's like me, if I'm at home, I can walk around my house with no lights on. Unless one of my my youngest or even the other two, if they leave toys around or stuff, then, yeah, I'll do bump into them. And I've got the worst dog ever because he's a staffy, so he's got no spatial awareness. He's absolutely nuts. So if I'm cooking, I'll turn around, I'll trip over him. So, But apart from that, on my usual journeys, I can, you know, as daft as it sounds, I can literally do it with my eyes closed. And it's all just through memory.
2: Hmm. We, we used to have I a think... cat, was, we had a cat that was deaf-blind, and I'm deaf-blind, and they used to absolutely like, oh, wow. just trip, trip over each other every five seconds. <laughs> when... It's I think it's, well, one of the messages from this conference was trying to explain to other people what it, why it, what it means to be blind or partially sighted, all the rest of the stuff. And, yeah, you can look at your phone and be partially sighted. And the poems are such a good way of drawing people in so that they'll be able to understand better. Thank you so much. No, yeah. thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. just, And I'm going to tell my brother to look for your website and stuff because he'll love it it's just yeah i mean of one, one
1: of the i mean obviously you can just go to the blindpoet.net but actually one of the really cool things about the internet these days is if you literally type in the blind poet into google um all these things come up and it's funny cuz um i not you can tell for the you know the ones that have got sight um I'm, I'm covered up but i've got lots of tattoos on my arms and stuff which all I've got since i started on this journey and all of them are related to my life and my work and one of the first big pieces I got on my uh, my left shoulder is um, from a Greek philosopher called Homer, who wrote the Iliad mm. and the Odyssey. And Homer was actually known as the blind poet. And my son that. Yeah, my son, when he looks at the the poem, or we well, he doesn't he doesn't do it now. When he looked at the tattoo years ago, when he was, when he was a lot younger, he used to point it and he used to go, "So, Dad, that's that's the old blind poet, and you're the new one, aren't you?" As I go, "Yes, <laughs> that's right." So, but yeah, so literally just type in the blind poet and, it, you know, everything kind of comes up and, you know, I've been so fortunate to get to work with some amazing organizations and do some amazing things. You know, I worked with um, people like Apple and Meta as in Facebook. Um, you know, uh, I just, this weekend was at the national diversity awards where I was up for uh, the positive role model for disability award. I got shortlisted mm-hmm. from 90,000 people. Um, to be a finalist for the National Diversity Awards, and uh, and you know, and I said I get to kind of travel, and I'm away to New York in uh, two weeks to go and speak at a conference, a big retina conference in New York, uh, sharing the stage. I'm going to be doing a presentation with a gentleman by the name of Jason Menzo, who is the president and CEO of Foundation Fighting Blindness, which is the biggest low vision. A sight Loss Charity in the states, and we are going to be presenting together at this big com- uh, conference for lots of healthcare professionals, and they get to listen to my poetry and and see that aspect from the from the patient side.
0: That's brilliant. Beautiful, That's thank you. And another thing, with you saying about if you type in on Google, um, I've I've watched a few of the podcasts that you've that you've been on. That um, used to do, yeah. So yeah, so anything, I mean with sight loss audiobooks podcasts that's sort of my go to now um, so if you do look on there is some amazing podcast that that Dave's on um where going through you know your journey like you've just gone through for us and, and is it is, it's it's brilliant it's inspirational and i know that when this gets put put out for retina uk on our youtube channel I know it, so many people are going to be just so positive when they when they listen to it and they hear it back. Um, and I think it'll definitely make a big difference to people, as I know that you have done for me um these past couple of years as I've I've listened to your story and your poetry, but as well, just just your story and how you've how you've adapted and found the strength to to do what you do and it's, you know, it's selfless because it's helping so many. And to kind of put you in the picture
1: where I am now is so for years, um, I had the last few years, no useful vision in my left eye. I only can see, um, hand movements, um, uh, light perception in my, in my, uh, in my left eye. But for years I had no peripheral vision in my right eye and just a very good, clear, almost like looking through a straw tunnel vision. Uh, in my right uh, up until the end of last year where I was on a date uh, with a rare date night out with my wife Amy and I realized that I could no longer see her face clearly anymore and what's happened now is my central vision has gone and everything's blurred Uh, so kind of typical to kind of my story last year I started to film a documentary with some filmmakers that I'd previously worked with and we're still filming we've been filming for the last year and we've got more to do uh, of what it's like for someone with low vision to trans to transition to no useful sight and to give a real honest account and document. Because like we were talking right at the beginning of the call before everyone joined us, um, uh, most people with low vision and blindness spend far too much time worrying yes. about how things are going to be tomorrow, about things that haven't happened yet, instead of concentrating on the beauty of today and what we can actually do now. Um, so I wanted to use my kind of experience to really document that and and be uh, something that people can kind of turn to and family members can turn to to really show what it's like. And I hope when it comes out, uh, you know, um, which it will be coming out on TV, uh, that a lot of people can kind of, not just those that are affected by it relate to it, but also that we can do a big thing of breaking down those misconceptions that actually blindness isn't something that you can see. That being blind um, doesn't mean that you see nothing at all um because 93 uh, 93 94 percent of people affected by vision loss have some kind of useful vision uh and most people still think that if you're blind you wear dark glasses you can't see anything and you know and that's the way it is and it's it's not the norm but that's the way the media portrays them so yeah. i want to change that
0: no definitely and you're definitely doing that um i know that i when i had my last broken rib through rugby the doctor asked me how I'd done it, and I had my cane. And I said, oh, playing rugby. He says, well, how can you play rugby? You're blind. And that's so you got That was a doctor. So yeah. if if the doctor's saying that, how yeah. can we expect, the, you know, yeah, people in the up street up again. to know? Exactly. I need to own up. Exactly. <laughs> I need to
2: own up. I was a doctor in the past. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <isn't> there you <yeah. laughs> go. And, yeah, I didn't know any of this stuff. So be- before so I go... I, open... about... I didn't know oh, anything about said uh-huh uh, anyway you carry on
1: no I, I was just gonna say be, be, before i go I, I want to tell you one last little uh, story which i know joy you, you'll uh, you'll you, you'll you'll laugh at um because you kind of alluded to it before about sitting on people's laps and things like that and the the funny situations that sometimes our eyes get get, get you know yes. get, get into <laughs> so this this little story i often tell when i'm speaking at events especially in america and they they love this story Um, and this, this actually happened to me before I was officially diagnosed with RP, uh, when I was probably in, in denial, uh, when I had just the night blindness aspect of RP, uh, but was in denial about it. When I was working as a singer and I was touring the holiday parks as a cabaret and singing all over the place, I was down in Kent and Essex. This is probably back in 2006, I think it was to, to, yeah, 2006. No, actually a bit bit later than that, 2008, I think it was um I was down in Kent and Essex doing some gigs down there, and I had a couple of days off in between shows. Uh, Stick of staying at the holiday park, so I checked myself into a nice hotel, having a little bit of rest for a couple of days. Went down to use the gym in using the gym for a little bit. Thought I'm gonna go for a swim. Had a swim. Thought I'm gonna go in and use the sauna. So I've walked to go and use the sauna. I've opened the door to the sauna, and it's very dark in there, and there's a lot of steam. So I've stood in the doorway waiting for my eyes to adjust to the light, which obviously because of the night blindness that I was in denial about took a little <laughs> bit longer than the average person. Uh, and then about a minute later, when my eyes adjusted to my horror, I-, I realized that there was one woman on her own in the sauna and basically I'd opened the door standing motionless, staring straight at her uh, <laughs> for a minute. Um, really? And yeah, and uh, as soon as uh, as soon as I walked in, she got up and left straight away. Um, and I've never been back to that hotel since. She must have thought I was a right stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you get us into those situations.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: <laughs> Walking into Which... the wrong sex toilet is quite common.
1: Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, I've done that one as well. Done that one. Yeah. I, I I still do the sitting down on people's laps at the gym, but they know they know me now, so it's not so bad. <laughs>
0: great talking that's brilliant absolutely brilliant well um, listen, listen
1: guys i just want to say thank you so much for having me um yeah. and uh you know if uh, if anyone wants to reach out and connect um you know after this you know those that are listening afterwards um please reach out through the website um if you need me for anything else uh you, you know where i am i always say to people and this is really really important um i don't just write the words i mean every single one mm-hmm. and i genuinely want to be there and support people through this uh, friends and family and children, and whatever I can do. So, um, thank you so much for kind of giving me the opportunity to be
0: with you here. Uh, you here today. Thank you thank so much. And so have much. a great rest of your night. And it's been absolutely brilliant. I'm going to put the little one <laughs> to bed now. Bye. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thanks so a Dave. Thank you. Bye bye. We hope you've enjoyed this Retina UK podcast featuring the blind poet, Dave Steele. If you have any questions or queries, or you'd like to leave some feedback, then please email us at info at retinauk.org.uk. Thanks again for listening and please stay tuned for more amazing podcasts coming soon from Retina UK.